Coming live from Boston, Massachusetts, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Meryl Sharet, CEO at SipSafe.pro, Midup.pro, Marine Consultant, Podcast Host, and he is steering the marine community towards adaptability, sustainability, and economic freedom. And he does a lot of interviews with marine leaders, oceanic and naval experts, and skilled lifers to round out discussions that impact that as an industry and individuals. And overall, he's worried about how conversations are taking place in today's time. Welcome to the show, Meryl. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Nice to have you on the show, Meryl. And it's it's nice to have a sailor, a marine guy, a marine tech guy onto the show, and especially a podcast host. Let me start by one thing. But you, so you are so worried about the conversations that are happening in today's time, and no, almost no conversations many a times. And that is why you say every generation has its struggles, whether that be that be some great war or depression. But I believe my generation's great struggle will be bringing people together. What do you mean by that? Can you help us understand? Yeah, so with the advent of technology and how globally connected we have become, you know, the fact is we're talking across the, the planet right now that local communities are slowly kind of eroding away. And with that, there is no clear defined comparison of where you fit within society. So, you know, back in the day, your town, your small little local community, you would be, it would be very easy for you to be able to be like, okay, you know, I fit into society at this, this spot. Um, but with global globalization, the way it is now, the comparison is on a global scale and people have become much more fragmented locally. Um, so, I mean, I personally believe that we need to work together in order to build community again now that you know technology has been around for as long as as it has right right and what better to put bring everybody together is conversation and that is why our topic for today is how to be memorable in conversation especially in a largely technocentric world that's increasing by the day why do you focus so much on on this part of conversation? Because you see, you have traveled and traveled a lot. But I, it's it's very interesting to understand you focusing on communication, doing a podcast, though it's focused on a particular industry. But it's after all, it's about communication. Can you tell us, give us a bit of a background on that? Well, I've I'm in the maritime space, but I've had careers doing various other things in which communication was very much like, you know, a, a major part of it. And personally, I believe that, you know, being good in conversation and helping other people and, you know, doing your best to try to like lift people up, it will ultimately help bring yourself up. Um, but you know, as we kind of get into conversation, uh, you hear it all the time. And I'm sure you hear it a lot. It's like, how do you B 
be seen and how do you become a thought leader? Like how exactly you go about doing that. And it has to come down to communication um, and being able to express your ideas and be able to communicate to other people who, you know, they're living in their own world. And now you have to try to explain to them, you know, your vision. Right. Meredith. You are a young man and you see, you have seen more of this uh, techno-centric world. People are so busy in themselves uh, with a phone in their hand, with gadgets and gaming and everything is just online. And that sense of conversation in the real sense that perhaps I have seen a bit more than you, that is, you know, losing. Many people are worried about it. And even the internet giants are talking about bringing more people together, but actually that that's perhaps not happening. That's the irony. So when you talk of a memorable conversation, uh, what do you exactly mean by that? What is a memorable conversation in your understanding today? A memorable conversation. Well, when I refer to that, I mean in person. And, um, you know, uh, along with that, it's how do you be seen and heard and actually be able to you know, affect other people because deep down everyone wants to make impacts and help the world and, and do something to, you know, lift people up. It's kind of inherent in us. And if you're good with conversation, you have a much greater chance of making those impacts. I mean, I hear it all the time. Everyone's like, Oh, I want to, I don't understand why no one like listens to what I have to say. And, when it comes to business, I guess I didn't realize how how huge of a, like a dynamic it, it would be and how many different parts play into it. Um, but I would also argue to say that persistence in conversations is is huge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how do you be remembered? How do you, you know, make impacts and do what you want to do? nice to hear about you know conversations focus on person to person communication from a person who is so young and and from the present generation but before memorable conversation the first thing is to have a conversation how does one start a conversation which is so much focused on online people perhaps everybody wants to you know focus on online conversation that's the way we have perhaps devised it maybe it's because of they don't want intrusive conversation even in business settings and all people want to people do talk but i guess when it comes down to person to person talk then also it's about again online maybe it's on video conference or very rarely you get to meet in person so how does one uh do conversations even even in today you see in offices one cubicle to another cubicle and they use the intranet office intranet they put everything on there they don't want to walk on to or maybe i don't know how suddenly this world has just shifted so much so how do you start a conversation how do you create an excuse for a conversation in the real sense that you want to get that human touch and give that human touch of a good conversation to the other person. Several questions at the same time, but I want you to, so that you can answer them at your own pace. 
Well, certainly when you start talking in the communication via the internet, it is, there's so many people to talk to. I mean, there's more people to talk to than you have time in a day to. And, you know, how I've approached it is when reaching out to people, not everyone is going to respond to me, you know, uh, but the ones who do, I definitely stay in contact with. And even if the first conversation wasn't necessarily a great conversation, I don't just stop there. You know, a month down the line, I'll give them a random phone call and they'll have forgotten all about, you know, the first conversation that we had and then bring them back and just being regular and consistent with communication with, with certain people is, is a big one. Um, and then also being referred to other people. So I would have a conversation with, you know, one of the thought leaders in our industry. And then he'd be like, you know, you need to meet this guy. And so they would just connect me. And it's very easy to be bogged down with the wrong people to talk to because there is so many people to talk to. So it's trying to get to the top because, you know, how I see it, you might have 100,000 followers, let's say, and you can reach out to them and they'll follow what you do. But if you have the people who have the 100,000 followers and you have like four of them that follow you, then that's much bigger impacts in getting your word out there. Um, yeah. Right, right. So this is about the business part. Yet you are spending a lot of time. What about uh, conversations in personal setting? And here you, you are a business person. You still have that, you know, power of, you have the CEO of a couple of companies and you do a podcast. So you are, you know a bit about these things. What about lesser models? Even in work settings, as well as what about personal lives? Everybody is busy. And if you suppose call somebody who is a good friend, but there might be that sense of uh, the other person has had their own share of ways of looking, looking at life. They may not be as enthusiastic as you. How do you bring back that flame, that old sort of a uh, understanding that real conversation is necessary? Should you, as you said, you already said that once is okay, you can again try the second time. But how does uh, that, uh, you can say that uh, feeling, that real feeling comes in, that, uh, that somebody else also becomes as enthusiastic for a real conversation like you are? Well... I think it's in human nature to want to be able to communicate. And, you know, as we've mentioned, the eroding of social dynamics, right? There's not there's not a community structure of like, you know, connecting with people and, and having that level of enjoyment. And so bringing conversation back just impacts people way more. But I mean, you also have to do it right. And when we start talking about communication, it's... You need to educate yourself, right? There's a lot of people that want to be where, you know, let's say I'm at, but they don't understand all the steps it took to get there and all the different lessons I had to learn. Because when we start talking about conversation, there's so many different things like body language and conversation framing 
and just having your own unique style, um, which takes practice and it takes like concerted effort to be able to do. I mean, just like everything in life, you got to work at it. It's not just given to you. Right, right, Benedict. Now, you see, you have seen a bit of bird and you have also met so many people. Have you noticed any trends in human interaction? Uh, the way people interact at different places or in terms of communication where they are much more close to their uh, close, want to be much more connected. Then there are places where people are not that much of connected. You have spent a lot of time on the seas, on the boats, on the, as, as a marine, uh, marine guy. Yeah, so the being in maritime, it's very much a niche, first off. And the social dynamics of maritime are, are dated, right? And it's not necessarily who you know, but who likes you. And so coming from kind of that background of, you know, if you want to be heard, you have to be loud and you have to be tough and stand on your morals and, you know, be be there. So when I go into regular conversations, because I go to networking events all the time, you know, just to practice, I don't go to networking events to, you know, sell anything that I'm doing because most of the time it's on land and no one knows anything about Marine to begin with. And, you know, when you say you've met so many people, can you, are there trends that you see? Well, I mean, you meet enough people and they say that you shouldn't read a book by its cover, but you know what the general plot line of the book is. Um, so, you know, being memorable, well, it's certainly having experiences, right? And as you've mentioned already, I've done a bunch of different things from through hiking the AT to living on a boat, which that's where I'm recording from right now, just adds to the uniqueness. Another trend I've seen pre-COVID and post-COVID. Pre-COVID. Did, did you say you're recording it from a boat? Yeah, yeah, on a boat. Wow, great, great. And how, how do you get that? Good internet connectivity there. Oh, I just have a hotspot. Great. Great. Wonderful. But uh yeah. Um there so post or pre-COVID networking events that I would go to, like networking events were very much and how I see networking is if you run into someone and you also know someone else that would be able to benefit from an introduction. If you're able to connect the two, you become memorable as that connector. Post-COVID, because of how marketing and communication has just changed, the post-COVID scene is very much salespeople, which you know blows me away. I go to networking events, and I'd say that 70% of the people that are showing up there are, are salesmen, and they lose the whole point of what networking is. So now it's just a bunch of salespeople talking to other salespeople, trying to sell, you know, more stuff to them. Um, so I, I think that's been a downturn in kind of communication. Um, and the people that I used to see at networking events that would be very influential within the business community, you know, they're just not showing up to these events anymore. Um, 
granted, if you show up to enough of them, you'll run into some interesting people. But, you know, maybe one time out of the three networking events you'll go to, you'll run into someone that you're like, wow, you know, I need to stay in touch with them. Um, and the more people that you can meet, the better off you're going to be. But that being said, um, as I've mentioned before, there's so many people to talk to that if you bog, waste your time talking to one person, you lose so much of the ability to network and connect with people. I've gone to events with friends. And so, you know, one guy is just talking this dude's ear off in the corner of the room for like 20 minutes. And I come up and I say, let's go meet some other people. And he's like, no, no, I'm having a really good conversation, you know? And it's just like, you're missing out on so many of the other people to meet here. You can have a lot of these conversations after, but it's all about, you know, meeting as many people as you can. Right, right. Meryl, you said 60-70% of people, if they are salespeople, then for people who want to actually go and connect in real life, how do they wade through these waters? Because uh, if they keep on meeting salespeople, where will they meet the real people they can converse with? So are, uh, are there... Uh, what are the options for them? Well, I, I think the only option really is persistence. Um, okay. And as we've seen in multiple different facets of life, life, if you're not persistent with what you're doing, then you know you don't really get anywhere. And I run into every year, every year, you know, in January when networking first starts, there'll be a whole new class of people coming in. And they'll be like, okay, I'm going to network and meet all these people and everything's going to work out. And, you know, they, they go for a month going to these networking events. They might go to two a week. So what are they doing? They're doing eight networking events. And then all of a sudden they just like lose it. They're like, oh, well, the networking events and talking to people is not leading to anywhere. And they just give up. But... You know, I go to networking events straight through the year, year after year. And granted, I mean, I'll sit here and tell you that a good chunk of the people I run into are just, you know, I can't help them. They seem like they need to solve their own problems. And I just keep moving on and, you know, kind of accepting it. Like if you're going to a networking event thinking that you're just going to come out with a, a huge deal or some big lead then you're going in with the wrong attitude. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, Mary, you spend a lot of time on the seats, on the boards and all that stuff. How on how do you manage both both the things? Because being on land itself, it, it is a tedious task to maintain those, you know, in-person events and meeting people. But how do you manage both this stuff? And you've got companies to run also. Well, sometimes it feels unmanageable, uh, but I do have a solid team. Um, I think that's required of any major business coming out. You need to have the people in place. And to think that you can do it all yourself is, you know, the quickest way to disaster and just getting burnt out. Um, and yeah, I mean, when it comes to the boating and the land side of things, 
I mean, they're unique. What I'm trying to move towards is more of, um, you know, how I see the ocean and its impacts is that even though people have been sailing around the world for thousands of years, it is a largely, you know, hidden industry that affects so many people. And a lot of innovations that have happened on land just don't exist on the ocean. And I, it's partially due to awareness. Not a lot of people ever see the ocean in their entire life. And so they don't know what impacts the ocean actually has to society and, you know, life in general. And so I do try to get to land a lot. I want to try to create awareness and I'll do anything in my power to do that. Even if it's writing an article that's like top nine sea monsters. If writing some clickbaity article is going to bring people in and then be able to start to have these interactions with the ocean in any type of way, then I'm doing my job. So, Right, Meryl. So talking about what you do, because many people are interested to understand how such a young guy has achieved so much and what exactly he is doing. So can you tell us about your uh, company Sipshape and Mida uh, so that people can know and they understand better of you and also if required, they can get in touch with you and they, they know about your specialities because communication is good, but then communication is to also about business also in business settings. Mm-hmm. So shipshape.pro is the national directory of marine repair and refit. So we're basically a searchable directory for all sorts of boat repair. And to think of boats, you need to think of them as complicated slash probably a little bit more complicated than homes and buildings. So um, I got that. Then I have MIDA, which is the Marine Industry Digital Agency. So we build platforms and apps and blue tech and do consulting when it comes to, you know, businesses to invest in or different industry trends that are happening. And then, of course, I have the the podcast called ShipShape, which originally was... You know, I was like, oh, well, we'll create this podcast and hopefully people will go from the podcast to the business and it turned into its own thing. And there was not necessarily a correlation between the viewership that we had and people coming to the platform. Um, But, you know, most businesses are iterations of past businesses. And prior to that, I had a general contracting company for marine repair and almost entirely in maritime, it's all word of mouth, right? So you have to have good communication skills in order to get jobs, which ultimately like, you know, obliterates a lot of companies because they don't have social skills. And so you can never really get like a decent amount of jobs. So, yeah. Right. So what sort of people can connect with you for work-related stuff to understand more about what you are doing because maritime is such a big uh, career opportunity. Many people want to get into that. And many people are already in that sort of a business. So who is it that would be, uh, that could be uh, interested in getting in touch with you to know more about your business, about what you do and also about your podcast. Certainly uh, 
there's there's many different facets that it could go like shipshape.pro is primarily for shipyards and boat yards and then for like boat owners and yacht owners right we just connect the two dots together um okay. and then with mita the digital agency when it comes to niches there is a certain language that goes with niches and okay. i what i've seen over and over and over from you know the aviation space aerospace to maritime to horseback riding to whatever if you can't speak the language it just comes out poorly and with my business i you know, ship shape when we were first getting it up and going, we'd be like, Oh, we need to have content. We need to get that out there. So we would hire people that were like, Oh yeah, we'll do all the research. We'll figure out exactly everything you need and it'll be the best article ever. And then it comes back and it makes, makes absolutely no sense. And that's the, the double-edged sword of niches. You can get into it, but you better like live it and living on a boat. I mean, I'm deep in it. So I'm able to communicate in that way. Um, but yeah, niches, that's where it's at. So you live on the boat or you live only when you are on the boat uh, for, for a particular duration? No, I live on a boat. So it's been five years. You live full time on the boat and you only step on the land when you got to have some work, when you get some work. Well, I step on land if I go to like business events and networking events. Or maybe I just going out in Boston, but yeah, been on a boat for five years. So okay, and what it it's in it keeps on moving or it's static all most of the time. Well, if I had uh, if I pan the camera up, you could see the oil lamp moving. Uh, so I mean, I'm docked right now, so it's not not too bad. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly a unique experience being on the water. They say that being around the color blue often, you know, just gives you a sense of enjoyment and fulfillment. So, I mean, since living on a boat, I really haven't had too many stresses that just make me not able to get my work done. Right. Right. It's, it's very interesting. And, you know, to, and to know about you are the first person I, I'm actually coming to know who stays on a boat, and it's 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 a nice thing. I know people have yachts and all that stuff, but that's only for some time. And what in in this? How how big is this boat, and how many people? You need people also on the boat to keep it uh, running, isn't it? I uh, you know it's uh it's a forty foot boat. I can sail it myself, but I'll tell you, sailing can be pretty boring if you don't have anyone with you um so yeah i mean it's spacious enough but it's not an overwhelmingly large you know it's not a mega yacht by no stretch of the imagination but you know i got a i got two bedrooms bathroom walk-in shower a whole kitchen you know, it can take you anywhere. Like the boat was built to sail around the world, uh, but I haven't <laughs> sailed around the world. I live vicariously through all my podcast episodes of people that do it. Right. And where does it sail in case uh, nowadays? Where, where Only in certain areas or be uh, further off? 
I've sailed throughout New England, which is one of the premier sailing areas in the entire United States. Um, I haven't crossed an ocean or gone to like the tropical St. Thomas. Um, And with Marine, it's kind of divided with the South and the North. The North is much more sailing oriented. You know, the winters can be pretty harsh where down South, it's a lot of power boats, a lot of just going out every single day in the nice sun. So different dynamic. Right, right. Very interesting. In fact, uh, I'm just visualizing it and uh, what, what this sort of a life could be. And I'm sure you're, you are living the life uh, that you actually wanted. But there was a time, you know, before you set or uh, uh, stepped onto a boat, there are other things you do, did. And then, you know, what started as a journey of self-discovery propelled you into a career. Can you give us that uh, you know, understanding of that, uh, what exactly your journey has been about in terms of finding the career that you wanted to have. Mm, that's a good one. So um, I went to college and I got a degree in intellectual history, which is the study of ideas. And pretty much after I graduated, I was big into fitness. And so I had set up two nonprofits for people that had Parkinson's in Memphis, Tennessee. And, you know, I was always on this quest of trying to like make impacts and help people. And people would come up to me while I was doing those programs. And I had about like 50 people that I was working with. And they'd be like, wow, you know, you're doing so much. And, you know, it's so great that this exists and you're helping so many people. But I always felt like I wanted to help more. And so, I mean, that mentality just kind of haunted me over and over and over. And um, so after doing the nonprofits for a while, I was like, okay, I need to figure out myself first. Um, So I went and I threw hiked the Appalachian Trail. So I walked 2,200 miles from Georgia to Maine. Um, and I was featured as a key character in a book about long distance, extreme backpacking while I was doing that, I got into law school. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll be a lawyer and I'll make impacts in the world that way. And as soon as I started law school, I realized that, no, you know, I'm not going to make the impacts I want to do going to law school. And around the time I was having like a, you know, a little bit of madness going on because I had just finished the Appalachian Trail, which was 172 days of hiking. So I decided, oh, you know, what would be another great adventure? So I decided to get a boat. And pretty much the first person I ran into, me and him ended up creating a business together. We created a physical product. And then from there, we ended up building a general contracting company for yacht repair. And as that started to roll, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing something, I'm making impacts. But just like everything else that's haunted me thus far, it's like, okay, if I'm making impacts on the national scale, it's like, how do I make impacts on a global scale? And everything I've done has been just kind of like stepping stones to trying to help more and more people as much as I can. And I, and I think that in the end, if you come in with that mentality, you know, you can't really lose. 
you can't really lose. And what about, uh, let's now revisit the, you know, memorable conversation part. You have met so many people. You are as you are alone in the boat many a times. And you communicate with people through your words, through, uh, through your actions, and actually leaving an impact. Now, what is in your understanding the most memorable conversation? Is it about talking? Is it about listening? Oh, well, it's certainly about listening. That's the secret to, you know, all conversation is be a damn good listener. Um, it, yeah, I mean, part of that, I, I, you know, say that the keys to being good in conversation are number one, body language, right? So reading all about that, because not only body language in the sense of being able to read it off someone, but if you keep open body posture while you're listening to someone, you remember a lot more. And I might not remember everyone's name, but I certainly remember every conversation I've had with people. And I go to things that I haven't seen someone in years. And I'm like, oh, you know, we met, you know, at this booth, you know, and you were doing this. And he's like, I can't believe you remembered that. Um, so you got body language, keeping good open posture while you're listening. You got conversation framing. So what generally happens is that when you show up to an event and you don't know anyone and they start talking to you, they'll immediately be like, so what do you do? And if you get into a conversation of explaining what you're doing right off the bat, they are in control of the conversation. So the key response to give when someone asks you, what do you do is say, the better question is, what do you do? And then you flip it on them and now you're in control of the conversation and mentally it, it puts them into a, you know, a reflective conversation. Um, you know, the, the more they talk, the more memorable you will be. Right. And just not interject. Definitely ask questions. Um, another thing is to have a unique style. Um, when I go to places, I wear, you know, a ton of, ton of jewelry on either uh -huh. hand you know i i have a certain look about me i wear clothes that were like a generation past and uh i get remembered with that i feel like too many people show up just you know they're everyone's playing a game but if if you want to be memorable you need to break out of what everyone else is doing okay oh and then cool. uh also be helpful to people and bring people together. That's always a, a way to, to do it. Um, and then also being tough in a conversation. And when I mean tough, if you're talking to someone and there's a moment in which you're like, okay, this person is not who I want to talk to. You, you just kind of move on. You just say, Hey, you know, it was great talking to you. I'm going to go meet some other people and be respectful of your time because it's quite valuable. I mean, we can talk about money all we want, but time is something that you can never get back. Right. And when uh, what what is your like uh, the last thing when you end your conversations uh, in real life? Uh, how do you want uh, them to remember? In in terms of do they do you want them to remember as the man who lives on the boat, a man who has this business, 
a man who has this stylish sort of a you know personality and or is it somebody who listen to them what is it about so certainly if you if you listen right but if you're listening and you're having a lot of these conversations they don't necessarily know fully to the extent of what you do and i mean i've built up a pretty strong network on linkedin so after i have a conversation with someone and i've been listening the whole time they kind of have a general sense of what i do the thing about my industry is if i try to explain it people will just say oh you're you sell yachts and i'm like no definitely don't sell yachts um so yeah usually after i leave a conversation with a nice handshake and i grab their other hand and do good body language and you know touch them on the shoulder and be like hey it was great talking to you you know i say find me on linkedin and usually people will find me on LinkedIn and they'll see that, you know, I got a ton of followers and they're like, okay, I'll take this guy a little bit more seriously. And it it's relationships. You build them up over time. You know, you can't necessarily, there was something that I was reading where it was like a close friend, you need to have like 40 hours a month with, and then like it, it descends in your level of connection, the less hours that you put into relationships but I don't remember like the full numbers. <laughs> right, right. There's so much to talk. I can continue talking, you know, but it's about, you know, conversations, good conversations are like that. You just want to keep on talking. You never want that to end. And that is when, you know, you get comfortable and then you have those great personal relationships, also great business relationships also. Perhaps that's the way we are as human beings. And perhaps that we have, just forgotten it, uh, forgotten the real uh, human part of our uh, of, of real conversation and communication with people. But when I talked to you, it reminds me that we are actually social animals who need good communication, good conversation all the time. Thank you so much, Meryl, for your time and for actually talking to us and telling us the importance of not just communication, but also about memorable conversations thank you so much indeed it was amazing thank you thank you thank you